Managing your 401k is hard, but Bloom isn't. See what you could be doing to make your 401k better by getting a free analysis at bloom401k.com/fool. That's bloom with 3 o's 401k.com/fool. You got that? Great. Let's start the show. It's Wednesday, April 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yesterday was the video edition of Market Foolery in terms of the companies that we talked about. We're going to start today with transportation. Actually, we should probably start with IBM, just because for anyone who looks at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, today is one of those helpful reminders that it is made up of just 30 companies. And if one company is having a particularly bad day, as is the case with IBM, that can really affect the other 29, whatever the other 20. This is one of those days where if IBM was out and it was just 29 stocks, oh, the Dow average would be up nicely. And instead, IBM's having its worst day since 2014. Yeah, it's not only that it's one of 30 stocks, but it's a price weighted index. And well, let's not go into all the details of that, but uh, the more expensive the price of the stock is, the greater effect it has on a daily move. So, the combination of uh, uh, the small size, small number of companies in the average, and the price of IBM, which is down $12 today, 7%, is going to make the results of the Dow a little skewed compared to the broader indices like the S&P 500. So, if you're wondering how the market did today, I'd focus on the S&P. Let's move on to transportation, and we'll start with United Continental. Shares up 5% after first quarter profits came in higher than expected. Yet another quarter where yet another major carrier demonstrates that this is a pretty good business to be in these days, now that they're actually running it well. Yeah, for the most part, of course, they're always, uh, you know, when there's a headline, it's usually negative. That's the case with Southwest today, which we might get to. But uh, United's uh, top line up uh, almost 7%. Uh, so people, more people are getting onto planes, is the, uh, the long and short of it. And they're paying higher prices. They're, they're getting less uh, uh, stringent about uh, looking for the best price. And United Continental, it seems like this quarter they were doing a pretty good job of not only managing their costs, but also providing guidance around how they're going to continue to manage their costs. So, maybe not a big surprise that the stock is moving up. No. Also, guidance from some other airlines has been very positive. Alaska Airlines guided pretty well the other day. So, you know, transport in general. Uh, things are moving, people are moving, the economy is humming. Uh, don't follow too much of the day-to-day uh, to distract from that. Uh, it is already turning out to be a good quarter uh, as earnings uh, come in, and you know the guidance. The guidance will differ for some companies. IBM had a good quarter compared to uh, expectations, but guided poorly, and you know that's not the case. Uh, with United, which has just delivered a good quarter and is guiding uh, higher as well, and that's that's the case basically for the whole transport uh, sector right now. And obviously, uh, the incident with Southwest Airlines yesterday, uh, the the company seems to be managing that about as well as one could. Um, although I think it, it reasonable questions uh, will be asked about the the age of the fleet. 
and that sort of thing. So, um, but it, it, you know, there's there's never a really great way to handle uh, any sort of tragedy. Um, but one of the things that was being talked about this morning on CNBC was uh, was a point that that you had made on a, an episode a few weeks back when we were talking about. Uh, uh, the death uh, that had resulted with the self-driving car, or sort of the autonomous uh, vehicle, and you had sort of provided the, the con- context, rightfully so, of, well, look, <laughs> thousands upon thousands of people uh, in the United States of America die every year in auto accidents. This is like one with an autonomous vehicle. I think the, the stat I saw today was that in the United States, in terms of commercial airlines, this is the first fatality in nine years. So, it's, it's obviously a tragic situation, um, but uh, when, when you provide the broader context, it, it seems like the, certainly the pilot did everything uh, that she could to make this situation right. Yeah, as you pointed out, uh, questions are going to come up into uh, some flyers' minds about the the age of of the equipment there, because one of the things that Southwest uh, prides itself on and makes sense is, look, we have this efficient airline. There's only one type of plane that we use. You know, if one needs to be Taken out for service, uh, you know we've got another one close by. Pilots already trained on you know the plane that we use, and so there there's a lot of efficiency from that. Um, and today people are going to say, well, if there was if this was fatigue, metal fatigue, or some other type uh, that is the source of the problem here, is that a one-off, or do we need to be concerned about the age of the whole fleet, um, particularly on I guess. The um, heels of this report uh, from 60 Minutes. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, there was a a uh, fairly standard, and I didn't watch all the details, so I'm not saying this is good or bad, but fairly standard 60 Minutes um, uh, critical piece about Allegiant Air and and the condition of its planes and the the age and how it gets planes that are sold off by other carriers, and so this may have a sort of a uh, microscope uh, effect on on Southwest today, or or on the whole industry. Hey, hey, we haven't been following uh, the age of uh, all planes out there. Is this something we now need? Is do we need everybody? We need Congress to look at this, that sort of thing. Congress has been distracted by many, many, many other things. But you know, maybe there will be calls for that. I, I don't want to speculate uh, too much on that. Um, you know. Today is a good day for United, and uh, that's where uh, you know the focus should be in terms of the actual state of airlines. And sticking with transport, we'll move to CSX Railroad, which put up a record first quarter profit, just shy of seven hundred million dollars. I was thinking about CSX the other day, just because uh, over the weekend I was uh, at my son's soccer game, and the the field happened to be. Relatively close to the railroad tracks here in Alexandria, and it was just sort of rolling by. And I thought, what I usually think when I see CSX trains rolling by, which is, should I be owning that stock? It really, it really does seem like railroads aren't necessarily the sexiest business in the world, but it seems like they're just. The barriers to entry are so massive, and it seems like if you've got people who are doing a halfway decent job of running the business, then it's going to be delivering relatively steady profits over a good length of time. 
Well, halfway decent is a good thing to focus on. Um, so, CSX, uh, short story, uh, blew out the earnings expectations, came in at $0.78. Cents, uh, I think $0.64 cents was expected uh, per share. Following on 51 cents a year ago, so that's nearly, you know, that's that's over 50 percent bottom line uh, growth over the year. Now, the actual capacity of the railroads and the uh, revenue isn't growing like that, but they've they've improved their service. And when we say they've improved their service, let's focus on one data point for a moment here. Uh, in the first quarter, this is an improvement. 57 uh, percent of their uh, of of their deliveries came in within two hours of on time. So, <laughs> so, okay, that doesn't sound great. You no. know, if that was your experience with airlines, you know, you'd you'd be moving to another airline. Uh, their goal is to get to ninety five percent by twenty twenty. So they've got, as we sometimes talk about, an easy act to follow, which is their own act. And they are improving it, and there is room for improvement. And so it might be a good time to look at railroads. It's just trucking right now, there's there's a lot of um, uh, capacity constraint in the trucking industry. This is going to, as uh, there aren't enough truck drivers at the moment, uh, if you're looking for a job and you've got skill driving a truck, uh, you've probably uh, got uh, offers that you're fielding. And that combined with some increased uh, regulatory requirements on uh, the number of hours that drivers can actually drive, uh, which started at the beginning of the year but was given sort of a soft launch in the first quarter and is now supposedly being uh, actually implemented uh, a little bit more effectively, a little bit, to, you know, after giving companies three months to get used to it, now they're going to start enforcing it. Uh, all this means that there's going to be a spillover for rails. Uh, and with oil prices, gas prices going higher, that's another good mark for rails. Uh, and they've got an easy act to follow. You know, if they can if they can increase their on-time delivery to 95%, which is the goal from 57%, I've no doubt that they are going to be a great stock over that period of time. What's the biggest vehicle you've ever driven? A minivan. No, a van. A van. How many? And you? So, one summer when I was in college, I worked on the grounds crew uh, at a college and doing a variety of things. And I don't even remember what the task was. I just remember it involved me essentially driving a 10 wheel truck, like essentially something the size of a dump truck. One of those things where you have to climb up into the cab. And all I could think was, don't crash into anything, and thank God I don't have to parallel park, because of course if you're if you're driving an 18 wheeler, that's part of getting your license is parallel parking into a, a tight spot. Yeah. So uh, the van, though, I only was uh, driving a van once and managed to get pulled over. Uh, so, so that's so this. Is, so maybe this isn't the career for you. I don't even remember what I was pulled over for, but I was driving uh, my team in college. This will date me. This is back when a college would allow a student to drive <laughs> the team. Uh, Couple hundred miles. Uh, we were driving from uh, Connecticut to uh, Philadelphia, 
and uh, and for for whatever reason, I was driving one of the two vehicles, uh, and and was pulled over. I can't remember did why. Did the reason have anything to do? In all seriousness, did the reason have anything to do with the fact that you're from the greater Philadelphia area, and it was just like, oh, well, this is before you know, this is. I mean, you went to college in the 1950s, so this is well before you know smartphones and that sort of thing. So it's like, well, you probably know where you're going. I think probably everybody else said not it first. Yeah. Uh, well but, played. But I, I was being followed for some time and didn't realize it. Uh, I don't know if I didn't have the. I felt like I had the rearview mirror adjusted correctly, but I was given the heads up by somebody in in the behind me, like, "Hey, there's somebody, you know, the hot and colds are on. You're you're you know you're being chased." So I don't know. I was pulled. I was given no ticket. I know that. Nice. You talked your way out of it. Yes. Well done. I cried probably. That's always the. Just from turn, what I hear, that's the best way to get out. Just turn on the waterworks. Uh, we're going to stick with earnings. Intuitive Surgical's first quarter, and just lather, rinse, repeat. Just another strong quarter from Intuitive Surgical. Uh, increased sales of the Da Vinci robotic surgical system, uh, and the stock on the rise once again. Yes, and it's having a very good day, and it's also worth remembering that this is not something that has gone straight up as much as you might think. That is, it took a pause for about four years, from from about 2012 to 2016, kind of traded sideways for a lot of that time as it sort of digested some of the growth that it had made, but also ran into some some problems. Um, and it's uh, gone beyond those at the moment. And uh, and now, uh, with quarters like this, 25% top-line growth, I think 15% to 18%, uh, depending on, on how you're looking at it, the procedure growth, I think. And so, it's, it's reacting today as if that is the kind of growth that you can look forward to compounding over some period of time over the future, trading at about 75 to 80 times earnings. So it's the market is obviously delighted with the story it sees today, and it's just worth remembering that that numbers like that, even even for a company which is in a space like robotic surgery that is as exciting as it continues to be, that kind of growth is not guaranteed. I, I, the market is looking at it as if it's guaranteed. I would say, you know, consider consider the alternative, which was experienced by this company no more than two, three years ago. Good context. Uh, before we move on to our final story, I want to say a quick thanks to Bloom for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. Do you have a four hundred one k plan? If so, you may remember how frustrating it was deciding what to invest in without professional help. And now there's a better way to grow your four hundred one k. Bloom, and that's Bloom spelled with three O's, is a simple, affordable, smart way to grow your 401k. You can go online to bloom401k.com slash fool and simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps and then sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account and chooses the best mix to meet your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. Getting your investments right does not have to be hard or painful or time-consuming. Bloom only takes five minutes, and then your retirement is set until you cancel, and they link to your existing 401k so you don't have to move your money. 
Bloom is so simple that the hardest thing about Bloom is remembering that there are three O's in the word Bloom. So go to bloom401k.com/fool and enter the promo code fool for your first month free, and see the difference that Bloom could make in your retirement. Uh, Amazon is teaming up with Best Buy to sell smart TVs and specifically the Amazon Fire TV. And there was a nice uh, photo uh, on Twitter today of Jeff Bezos and Hubert Jolie, uh, the CEO of Best Buy, together. And this seems like a smart move for both of these companies because I, I think. And there's no reason in the world for Jeff Bezos ever to say this out loud, but my hunch is at least part of this partnership is a recognition on Amazon's part that when people are making a big ticket item purchase like a smart TV, it helps if you can actually stand in front of that TV and look at it and compare them side by side. Yeah, I, well, I think the first thing that came to mind when I heard this is, you know, keep your friends closer and your enemies closer. <laughs> There's that as well. And I don't know that anybody uh, on either side of this equation would say that they are enemies, uh, but uh, the potential exists uh, that uh, Amazon, uh, certainly, if you go back five, six years, um, I think Best Buy was kind of given up for dead. Um, Absolutely, and people were saying, "Oh, Amazon's going to put them out of business." Right, and that didn't happen. And so Best Buy sells some Amazon products, Fire, uh, um, Kindle, and and uh, Amazon is now going to have Best Buy sell some of these things through the Best Buy channel on Amazon. And so there is a working relationship on a number of levels. And uh, today the victim of that, uh, stock-wise, seems to be Roku, which uh, was the operating, making the operating system for the smart TVs for the Best Buy's Insignia brand. Um, and, um, you know, now it's going to be Amazon. Well, and Banny Argusinger and I talked about this yesterday. Roku shares were up double digits yesterday, and it was on the Announcement that they were partnering with Disney on the ESPN Plus streaming app, and it it was one of those things that seems like a little bit of a no-brainer. Seems like a small win for Roku. It didn't seem like a double-digit stock move win. So I'm sure at least a little bit of the gains that Roku is giving up today is some recognition of people saying, "Yeah, wait, what were we thinking yesterday?" <laughs> Do you watch John Oliver at all? Not really, no. It's 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 no. It's late on a Sunday night, and sometimes I'll watch it on YouTube or that sort of thing. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, he went after the NRA uh, NRA TV, and um, I think one of the quotes uh, in it was that uh, NRA TV was on uh, you know platforms such you know big tech platforms like including Roku and John Oliver sort of went off on on Roku how delighted they must be. To be included in a list of big tech companies, you know, <laughs> and uh, along was, with Amazon and Google, along with Amazon, and Apple, and you know all their their platforms for for TV, and uh, yeah, it's a reminder that Roku is out there. It's not uh, not one of the biggest uh, in a lot of ways, but uh, you know, it, it, uh, 
well, a deal like today, and as you say, maybe it's uh, just feeding off uh, having moved up a little bit too much yesterday, but that seems to be having some effect on Roku. Um, but I, I like the idea of this new Amazon TV. TV. Uh, before we uh, stick with that, I just want to mention um, one of our longtime listeners uh, hit me up on Twitter in the wake of yesterday's episode and, and talked about his experience as a Roku consumer, and and it did it did remind me of the fact that the interface of Roku is a good one. It in, and this isn't a perfect analogy by any stretch, but. Uh, you and I are old enough to remember America Online when it was the the dominant uh, platform back in the 1990s, and it was criticized sort of in the, the towards the end of that decade for being so simple and so basic. And but for people who were just figuring out what the internet was, that was all they needed just sort of the basic interface of AOL and basic email and all that. They didn't need all the bells and whistles. Roku reminds me a little bit of that for people who are just sort of figuring out um, smart TVs and how to use this type of device. The interface is, is very smooth, um, but it's, it's probably um, it's probably got a window that is closing. So the interface, and I think that the comments from Bezos today on this new partnership and what this TV is going to look like is that it'll be, uh, you know, you can sync it up to Alexa, and so that's one of the great attractions is you just tell your TV, you know, show Disney Channel, show whatever, and uh, and. If if it's effective in in routinely doing that, uh, then that will be a useful thing. Given the number of times that, I, in my experience, I have to look for the remote, um, given that the children seem to move it around or the <laughs> dog seems to eat it, uh, things like that, and it takes up a certain amount of time. You know, I, just to now change channels physically on the TV set without the remote, you know, involves a PhD. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I think you don't have like a dedicated space in in the TV room where it's like, no, no, this is where the remote goes. The dog hangs out there, oh, so that's... it's <laughs> the rules have been explained to everybody but Winnie. Well, they've been explained to Winnie. She's just you know incorrigible. Uh, well, that's. Uh... I can't think of a better way for this episode to peter out <laughs> than you dealing with shout your dog. Winnie. With you, shout out to your dog who's eating your remote control. She's so good, uh, except when she's eating the remote control. Yeah, and other things. Thanks for being here. Thank you. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to FoolFunds.com and sign up for Declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from Motley Fool Asset Management, and it is always a good, insightful read. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.